Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7, joined, as always, by our fearless leader, the managing editor at Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing? I am doing good, Chip. Uh, just, you know, getting ready for another 11 a.m. kickoff for Texas, which is going to be the at least third or second of three straight with uh, Texas announced or Big 12 announcing Texas. So you will also be in 11 o'clock. But the focus now, hopefully for Texas, too, is on TCU. How are you doing? Yeah. How about kegs and eggs for the horns? And remember, Joel Klatt came on the flagship podcast this summer and I said, when are you coming to Austin? He said, could be the Oklahoma State game, and that would be four straight 11 a.m. kickoffs if that is indeed the case because, of course, he's on the big noon kickoff. So we'll see if that uh, if that comes to pass. Steve Sarkeesian sure made it sound like they were getting used to kicking off at 11 a.m., so we'll see. But you're right. I mean, the focus now is on TCU. And this has been a nightmare game for Texas fans. And I think Texas fans have been in a little bit of denial, Taylor, because I don't think they can bring themselves to acknowledge that TCU has won seven of the last nine meetings. Texas is two and seven against TCU since the Horn Frogs joined the Big 12. And we talk all the time about how Gary Patterson makes this a holy war. I mean, he is he's out to get Texas every year. It is a mission, not only of his, but he does a great job of conveying that mi mission to his players. And I'll never forget uh, before the uh, 2015 game when he had several players out on defense and he said, we've beaten better teams with less right before they went out and pulverized Texas 50 to seven. So um, Gary Patterson is, he makes it a mission every year to beat Texas and he's been pretty darn successful at doing it. Yeah, he definitely has. And, you know, it is kind of interesting, Chip, going into this game. You know, TCU is coming off of a loss against SMU. After the after the win over Texas Tech, I was talking on the flagship saying that that's kind of probably scary if you're a Texas fan, that not only are you facing a, a coach who is seven and two, has that type of record on you since joining the Big 12, but also they're coming off of a loss. Um, what was kind of uncharacteristic for me, you know, it's one thing you probably are sitting here wondering if TCU was looking ahead to Texas, but Texas or TCU had a bye week before facing SMU and still got beat against SMU. So um, I, I totally imagine this, the Horn Frogs, whatever happened against SMU, I feel like it's going to not really matter. I think that, that Texas definitely is going to see the best TCU team possible um, this weekend, just because of what you said, what Gary Patterson prepares, like it's the Super Bowl every time he faces Texas. And I think he loves being able to hold that seven and two record over Texas over any, you know, Longhorns fan recruits, you name it. I think he really likes that. Yeah. And, and TCU before the season, I thought was a team who could challenge to get into the big 12 title game because you've got Max Duggan back in his 
third year. He's two and zero against Texas, and you've got Zach Evans um, at running back, and and Zach Evans is averaging uh, over. He's averaging seven point nine yards per carry, and and then you've got Kendra Miller, who's averaging five point eight yards per carry. Max Duggan is there second leading rusher. And I think that's part of the problem uh, for TCU, quite honestly, uh, because I don't know that Max Duggan stays in the pocket long enough to, to get through his progressions before taking off running. And because you look at TCU's receiving stats and, and Quentin Johnston, who the former Texas commit, who's just, you know, a monster only has nine catches on the season. And Tay Barber, the leading receiver has seven catches in three games. So it's, um, you know, that's a little puzzling because uh, you would expect more receptions from those two, considering how talented they are and how productive they've been in the past uh, to have more receptions as opposed to Max Duggan being the second leading rusher for the TCU Horn Frogs, but Taylor clearly um, the shocker coming out of the the TCU SMU game was TCU giving up 350 yards rushing. I mean, that's just not something a Gary Patterson defense does mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, I mean, he's always known for his stout defenses, and you know, and the fact that how many interceptions did SMU throw and they still won the game? I mean, wasn't it three? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite puzzling. I feel like this TCU team entering this game chip, because I don't really know what you know about them. All you know is I don't even know how to pronounce the team that they faced in week one. (laughs) Duncanson, or I don't, I don't know how to pronounce. I've never even heard that school. Yeah. Okay. So Duquesne and then yeah, and then they played, you know, a game against Cal. They won, but it was a really close game. Then losing that game to SMU, I don't know what to expect. Do you? No, I mean, I've never seen TCU uh, giving up 181.3 yards per game on the ground. And I mean, we can look at Texas. Texas is giving up 173. yards per game on the ground. And you can look right back to that Arkansas game where the defense was gassed and gave up all kinds of rushing yards in the second half of that game, gave up 239 of the 333 yards rushing uh, in the second half when, when they were dog tired from trying to hang on in that game with no help from the offense until the third quarter. In fact, it was a short field created by an interception by BJ Foster that finally set up the first touchdown for the Texas offense. Now it, the, the whole script has flipped and, and obviously uh, Texas's offense is, is the most efficient offense in the big 12 and maybe the most efficient I've seen uh, over these last couple games over a two game stretch. Um, that I can remember in my near 30 years of covering the team, because they're just constantly scoring touchdowns. I mean, they've, they've been interrupted by uh, an interception by Casey Thompson against rice and an interception uh, by Casey Thompson in the end zone against Texas tech. Otherwise 
they scored touchdowns on, you know, their, uh, every other possession. I mean, it's been, um, amazing. And I think Texas fans are looking at this offense and going, what on earth has happened? And I, and I think Steve Sarkeesian got to this point today, uh, in talking about, um, you know, clearly the quarterback stabilization, he said, Casey Thompson owns the playbook, which is just music to Texas fans ears because, uh, it's just another compliment from Steve Sarkeesian about the preparation by Casey Thompson so that when he gets into game situations, he knows what he's looking at. He knows, um, you know, I think when they were talking about the play selection that they liked for Texas tech, Casey said, usually when I uh, eliminate a play from the call sheet, it's because I don't think we're going to get a defensive look that will allow that play to be successful. That, that says a lot about his film study um, because he's talked about how he looks at opponent film, whole games on Sunday, first and second down, on Monday and Tuesday, uh, third down on Wednesday, uh, third and, and red zone, and then kind of goes back over uh, the pulled clips from the coaches on Friday, watches that film with receivers. Well, it's working. Now, mm-hmm. you said it. They're not going to get the TCU that just gave up 350 yards rushing to SMU. They're going to get the TCU that gears up for Texas like it's, the Super Bowl and and let's see let's see how this Texas offense manages from this efficiency that we've seen the last two games they're now the number one scoring offense in the Big 12 yeah and that's saying a lot talking about the Big 12 conference i mean this isn't you know known as a very defensive stout conference is the opposite you know it's always about the offenses and the fact that Texas on its second quote unquote backup quarterback doing this, you know, it, it's, it's mind boggling. It makes you kind of wonder what the decision-making was like leading up to the season and naming Hudson card, the starter and seeing how efficient the offense has been under Casey Thompson. Um, you know, there's no doubt right now that Texas has the firepower to really, you know, put it to a lot of teams as long as they continue moving forward this way. Um, and talking to Casey Thompson, you know, last week he talked about and talking about his, you know, game prep when he and film study, the when he broke it down for all of us of what he does, you know, he mentioned how sitting behind Sam Ellinger for so many years and watching the way that he prepared really helped him learn how to prepare as a starter, even though he didn't really have the opportunity to start, you know, um, being behind Sam Ellinger for uh, what was it, three seasons as his backup. So he learned a lot from there. And you know, I was thinking about this today, just in talking to Casey and, you know, we talked to him around 1130 on Monday. And at that point, Texas had already practiced and he had already said that he watched a few hours of film on TCU. So you're wondering, my goodness, this is how dedicated this kid is. It's Monday and, you know, 11 a.m. practice done and already into the film study. Um, but I think that in hearing him say that, I was thinking about this, and I think that this is a really good situation for Hudson Card as a future, because if he can take what Casey Thompson is doing from a film study perspective, learn from him as the backup, and then, you know, take that onto the field once his time comes, once Casey Thompson, you know, leaves Texas, that can really help solidify the future of this quarterback position, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's, um, 
I mean, it's not just us talking about it. It's, you know, I went on pro football focus and right now Casey Thompson is the fifth highest rated quarterback in college football. And Bijan Robinson is the third highest rated running back in college football, according to pro football focus um, in terms of all the, the plays that pro football focus grades. So that's, that's, that's where you want to be uh, the strongest. I mean, you've got to be right at the quarterback position. I asked Keandre Coburn today um, what the efficiency of the offense and not having punted for two games means to the defense. And he said, it's huge. Mm-hmm. He, he said, it no, we no longer feel like we are the lifeline. We feel like if we give up points that our offense can, can score. And, and, and it does change the way the coaches call the game. They'll, they'll take some more chances. We saw the defense come up with a play. We now know is called wild card where they've got um, Alfred Collins is basically uh, the nose tackle. Jacoby Jones lined up behind him and Keandre Coburn lined up behind him. And then at the snap, they all, you know, go charging into the gaps of the TCU offensive line. They were able to get a sack out of it uh, in, in Saturday's game against Texas tech. And that's something that Pete Kwiatkowski used at Washington, but you know, he's, he's clearly feeling more confident about what uh, his defensive personnel can do. And we talked last week about Ovia Gofu saying, we're still trying to figure things out. We're still getting to know each other. We're still developing chemistry and the coaches are still trying to figure out who does what best so that they can put players into those roles. And it was, I think it was really important for Alfred Collins to have some success uh, to start big 12 play because Taylor, he has been a non-factor in the first three games of the season after playing so well in the bowl game. And this guy is a man. I mean, he's an absolute freak physical specimen. And he comes out of the Texas tech game with two tackles for loss and uh, including a sack. And, and those are big plays that are going to give him confidence, continue to keep him working on, on better hand placement, better leverage, because he is a tall guy and those have been his, his weaknesses, his, his hand placement, his versatility in terms of his pass rush, how to get guys off of him. And the faster he can, you know, keep coming the better this defense is going to get because he's such a, a physical specimen and a, you know, he's a five-star player he's got to play like that uh, on the field and to see him break through and make some plays really, really important in my mind. And I'm, I'm eager to see how else they can deploy Alfred Collins um, to, to be put in positions of success. Obviously, Josh Thompson had the big interception. Can't overlook that. The pick six, uh, huge play. And Luke Brockermeyer was kind of right place, right time on a deflect, deflected pass interception. But, um, you know, I'm looking for, and and let's give some love to Baron Sorrell. Hello. I mean, they're, they're seeing something from Baron Sorrell because he's getting a lot of playing time, the true freshman. And, you know, five tackles. 
uh, one tackle for loss. He's, he's long, he's kind of lean. Um, but man, he, he gets by people and that's, that's promising. We're looking for pass rush, right? Yeah, especially against Big 12 offenses. And I think that that was a really good launching point probably for the defense in general to put up that performance against um, Texas Tech. You know, you mentioned the what, – what was the name of that line – or the the three-line um, oh, lineman? The wild, the wild card. Wild card, yeah. You know, I mean, just something like that. I feel like that's really important to not just, you know, for individual um, – players on defense to build their confidence. But I think it's a really good sign for where the coaches feel the strengths on the team are. And obviously offense is where it starts. I mean, you, they hung up 70 points, you know, on Texas tech and Texas to and rush for what was it over, uh, I think it was 336 yards rushing against Texas tech. Um, and that was, you know, the strength of their defense, but you want to see, especially this early in the season, I feel the defense getting kind of not cutesy, but, you know, throwing in those kind of different alignments that look kind of some somewhat trick plays. If you, you may have it because that just shows how confident the overall team is in the offense. And, you know, especially going into big 12 play facing a TCU team, which, you know, the defense hasn't been great this year by any means. It's definitely not the prototypical Gary Patterson type of unit that you usually see just, you know, you know, having its will a lot of times in games um, against even big 12 offenses. But in my opinion, Chip, I think that that is building off of that type of confidence for the entire defensive side of the ball is where you're going to start seeing where Pete Kwiatkowski is so good as a defensive coordinator. Yeah. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I think, um, you know, they've got to, I, I like that they're, changing guys in and out to see who can give them the best productivity because, um, you know, through the non-conference season, the three game non-conference season, we hadn't really seen much of a pass rush developing. Pete Kwiatkowski wants to get there with his front four or even his front three mm -hmm. doesn't want to have to commit to blitzing to get pressure because that, leaves you exposed a little bit in your pass coverage. And Pete is a guy who likes to zone blitz, rush three, drop eight. And that's how he stifled the air raid when he was in the Pac-12. And so he doesn't want to have to commit uh, to blitzing. That's why that wild card stack was so interesting because you're you're using your your normal personnel, but you're you're putting them in weird places for the offensive line to try to figure out who's coming where and and it was successful we'll see what new wrinkles um the uh you know the great mind of the silent assassin pete kwikowski comes up with but taylor how about this um you know texas went for it on fourth down scored a touchdown on fourth down on a fourth and three pass from Casey Thompson to B. John Robinson on the first play of the, the game first, I'm oh, sorry, first drive of the game. And, and so Texas tech has now given up 12 of 16 fourth down conversions to opponents. And that is the most in the big 12. So now the, the startling, part is that Texas has given up seven of nine 
fourth down conversions. And that is the highest by percentage in the Big 12. That's that's 78% success opponents are having on fourth down against Texas. And that, you know, that's a letdown. You think you're off the field when you hold them on third down. And then the other team says, no, we're going for it. And suddenly you have to kind of get your wits about you. That's something that Texas is going to have to, to clean up because that's, that's staggering that, yeah. that opponents are converting fourth down against Texas 78% of the time. And, um, you know, Texas is doing it to other people, but people are doing it to Texas as well. Yeah. And I mean, they call third down the money down for a reason. It's because, you know, make your money on third down, get off the field. And if Texas is, you know, if if that is a glaring issue for the Texas defense, obviously teams are going to try to expose it anytime they can possibly get, especially if the field position is in their favor. Um, you know, one thing I think talking about the Texas defense a little bit more, Steve Sarkeesian talked about this. Um, on Monday at his press conference, the one thing that he wasn't too thrilled about was the second half performance. He felt that against Texas Tech, he felt that um, the team let off a little bit and um, it showed, you know, I mean, they gave up the majority of the yards and, you know, um, points that they gave up to to Texas Tech did come in the second half. Um, I mean, you can you can get away with that if you hang 70 on an opponent, right? You can get away with that. But still, um, I believe it was what 16 of their points came or no more than that. Uh, more than how many points would it have been? 20, they only scored 14. Half, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. T Texas tech only scored 14 points in the first half. Then, you know, they scored 21 in the second, but um, I think especially, you know, if we are talking about the issues right now, if there are issues or anything that more so than fourth downs, I think that's probably the second half performance is probably the one that you need to see the Texas defense continue to get better on because you did, you know, go back to Arkansas. Obviously, it was a little bit of a different story because the defense was tasked with so much in the first half that they were just gassed by the second half. However, they weren't tasked with a ton in the first half against Texas Tech, and they did still show a let down in the second half. I think that's something that's probably number one that you got to clean up at this point. And maybe you disagree, but I think that, you know, you don't want to lose games in the second half, you know, especially if you have a commanding lead. It worked out obviously in Texas favor. It probably sounds crazy that I'm even like nitpicking about it, but still, you know, if that continues against offenses that are more capable and, you know, not using their backup quarterback like Texas Tech was, that could cause, pro you know, problems down the road in big 12 play for Texas. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is something that, uh, you know, they've, they've sort of, um, you know, like you said, against Arkansas, they were, they were letting up because they were exhausted from, from having to, you know, try to keep Texas in that game. And now it's a little bit of, oh, we got this in hand because our offense is putting up so many points. It's a complete dichotomy from where this team was, um, three games ago, yeah. Uh, but that's a good thing because we talk all the time. The sign of a well-coached team is week to week improvement. And we said last week, we should start seeing it. I wasn't quite sure. Um, you know, Texas tech's defense had been holding opponents to 1.8 yards per carry. They've got a bunch of transfers in. They're an older team. Matt Wells talked about, I'm taking a veteran team to Austin and so I wanted to see it 
And and now people are going to say, oh, that's Texas Tech. Their defense is terrible. Um, let's see it against TCU, TCU because Gary Patterson is the mad genius of defense in the Big 12. Uh, but the bottom line is there's confidence growing on this Texas Longhorns team offensively, defensively, and and on special teams. Now, one quick note on, on the defensive side, Taylor, my man Deshaun Jameson is struggling a little bit. <laughs> And I don't know if he's trying to take chances. I know he got you know beat on the double move um, against Arkansas, but I'll tell you what, Darian Dunn is coming, and and Darian Dunn's getting some playing time. Josh Thompson has has played played well, played consistently, uh, but there's good competition at that other corner position between Darian Dunn and Deshaun Jameson, and. I love me some Deshaun Jameson. It just seems like all he does is make plays, but it's been a little bit of a struggle uh, early going here in this season. So looking for him to pick things up a little bit. And if not, I don't think there's much drop off when Darian Dunn, the transfer from McNeese state number four comes in at corner for Texas. Yeah. And you know, I think that this needs to be kind of an eye opening situation for Deshaun Jameson because there is not much of a drop-off when Darian Dunn has been in the game. He, you know, if Jameson keeps making mistakes, he's going to have to be fighting for a starting role. And you don't want to be, you know, fighting for a starting role when you came in, um, you know, as one of the more hyped players in a senior um, playing for this Texas team. That's not where you want to be. So I think if you're a Texas fan, you're probably hoping that Deshaun Jamison sees the light and realizes he may lose that starting position if Darian Dunn continues to come on. And then that's where the competition, that's where Texas became DBU. I mean, go back to the 2005, you know, BCS title season. Think of the guys that were on the bench in the secondary for Texas. They weren't even starting yet. You know what I mean? Because the other, the, the whole room was so stacked you hope right now, I think, if you're Texas, that Deshaun Jameson realizes he may lose his job and then he improves his play because that's only going to make this secondary better. And that's only what Texas is going to need leading into Big 12 play, especially when they face some of the offenses that are still on the schedule. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Tavondre Sweat's been really productive. Um, Moro uh, Ojimo has been productive. But, uh, I mean, look – it, it's a first world problem to have depth, but you got to have the right guys on the field uh, when it matters most. And, and let's be honest, I know we'll probably get into some of this and love it or leave it, but with, with Baylor beating Iowa state in Waco this week and um, Oklahoma needing a last second field goal to, to beat West Virginia in Norman, the Big 12 is looking gettable, and the team that can make the most week-to-week -week progress from here on out is going to have a chance to shake things up, and And Texas has got to be looking at it that way and obviously staying focused on, as Casey Thompson said today, one task at a time, but uh, there's opportunity for Texas that coming out of that loss in Fayetteville, you might not have felt um, was going to be there. So. Well, and also with Arkansas, 
Yeah, Arkansas is also, you're seeing they're better than they than advertised right. too. I mean, you know, that not that you ever want to see a loss because Texas was manhandled by Arkansas. It wasn't just a loss. It was they were dominated in that game. Um, whereas, you know, looking at last week's game between Arkansas and Texas A&M, it was at least, you know, a closer game. But still, it is a better Arkansas team, I think. Um, and, you know, so that loss may down the stretch look better in the eyes when it comes to the college football playoff you know, committee times when they're meeting, if Texas is continuing down this road of, you know, really put, you know, enforcing their will essentially against their opponents, then, you know, this could be a potentially successful year. But once again, what Casey Thompson said, what Texas fans need to look at right now is the task ahead. And you especially don't want to overlook this TCU team. Well, and speaking of Casey Thompson, I'll say it again. He reminds me of James Brown. And James Brown, all that guy did was light it up once he once he got on the field. Wasn't a, a wow you practice player. Didn't you know sizzle and and show up in practice the way he did in games. In part because he was a a quarterback who could make plays with his legs, and that doesn't always show up in practice because you don't hit the quarterback and. And James Brown won three conference championships at Texas, including the first Big 12 title in 1996. So I'm I'm sticking with that. I mean, Casey has shown that once he gets into a game, he's got control. He's he knows what he's looking at and he's making plays. And so um, I think for Texas fans, you're watching this unfold and you're you're thinking, wow, this guy might. This guy might be the answer. You know, Colt McCoy was never supposed to be the answer. It was supposed to be Ryan Paralu or Mark Sanchez. Mac Brown offered all three on the same day and said the first two to take the scholarship are in. And Colt McCoy was the first one to say he's in, uh, but he was he was the insurance policy. He wasn't ever supposed to play, and his name is up in the stadium. So you can, you know, you can't measure what's going on inside a kid uh, from a heart and and preparation standpoint. So pretty cool what we're watching right now with the with the Texas offense because um, look, the, the toughest days are ahead, but they're in this gauntlet right now where they're playing um, TCU, OU, Oklahoma State to finish off eight straight weeks of football before they get to a bye and this is the toughest part of the gauntlet, obviously, this week with TCU um, in Fort Worth, then going right back to Dallas to the Cotton Bowl to face the you know six-time defending Big 12 champion. And then Oklahoma State looked pretty good in taking down K-State, who had the two best wins uh, on the season coming out of non-conference. And Spencer Sanders suddenly started looking like Spencer Sanders again. So... Uh, that's this is a this is a really really telling make or break three game stretch for the Longhorns. Yeah, it is. And one thing I will say about this, um, you know, Texas has not been great in eleven o'clock games, um, especially under Tom Herman. I think they were seven and eight in eleven o'clock kickoffs. One thing that Texas fans should kind of pay attention to, obviously, you know, Texas came out the gate guns blazing against Texas Tech you know, really establish their will or, you know, enforce their will early in that game. Texas has not 
this year they are practicing in the mornings. And so in talking to um, Steve Sarkeesian on Monday, talking to some of the players, they talked about how, you know, they're already kind of in this routine of these early morning starts because that's when their practices are. Whereas before, you know, under previous coaches, the practices usually didn't start until late afternoon or early evening. So 11 o'clock games was a little bit more difficult for the players to get in the groove, get things going. You know, it was almost like they had to learn how to prepare in the mornings for those type of games. So, you know, you look at the history, obviously, 11 a.m. games over the last four years haven't done great things for Texas, but seeing what they did against Texas Tech and then them potentially having three more straight 11 a.m. games, that can only help Texas right now. And that's something just to kind of keep in your back pocket to see if, if this does continue. But that's, you know, that's huge in my opinion, too. Yeah, no, it's a great point. Um, all right, Taylor, you ready for some love it or leave it? Yes, sir. Um, before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break, but um, you definitely want to stick around because we will continue to preview Texas and TCU in love it or leave it. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Chip, you ready for some love it or leave it? Let's go. All righty. My first one for you is love it or leave it. TCU being two and eight the week before playing Texas the past 10 years shows the Horn Frogs are always looking ahead to the Longhorns. I mean, I don't know what else to, to say about this. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to love this. And I don't know if, uh, I don't, I don't know if it's a subliminal thing or what, but here we go again. I mean, TCU loses to SMU, um, a team, and gives up 350 yards rushing in doing it. I I have to say that I'm going to love this because I don't know how else to explain it. Um, you know, a lot of times it's been, you know, I mean, there was a loss to Iowa State, which was – you know, a couple of years ago, which is no, no shame in that Iowa state's been a good football team, but there were some real head scratchers in there too. So, um, all I know is that when TCU takes on Texas, it is, it's their red river shootout. It, that is what it is for TCU. And it was so funny to me to hear Gary Patterson say after the SMU game, he said, they hate us. They hate us. And, and we saw that at Arkansas, you know, when a fan base and a team can get that kind of energy from a rivalry or a perceived rivalry, because I think SMU looks at TCU as much more of a rival than TCU looks at SMU now. I mean, for years they were in the same conference and that's one thing, but now TCU's in the big 12 and SMU's in the American and TCU doesn't look at SMU and say, you know, they're a rival, even though they are. So it's just funny to me because TCU looks at Texas and Gary Patterson is out to, to beat Texas every year. Cause that's, he's always seen himself as a coach capable of coaching at Texas or Texas A&M. So when he plays those teams, by God, it's it's his best work. So I'm going to love that, Taylor. I don't know. 
but two and eight uh, in the games before facing Texas the last 10 years sure looks like uh, they're looking ahead to the Longhorns to me. Yeah, there's no denying it. I mean, the the record shows it itself. Um, I will say that the SNU game, it's more to me, if that is the case, and this is a very undisciplined TCU team because they had a bye week to prepare for that. So if they, during a bye week plus an additional week to prepare for a game, didn't even have their focus on that game and were looking ahead, then that tells you a lot, I think, about the mental aspect of TCU as a team this year, you would, if you're a Horn Frog fan, you hope that's not the case because, um, you know, that, that just shows to me, it's, it's undisciplined to me, you know? So, um, but yeah, if we're talking about just overall, I think that it's very true that, you know, two and eight leading into the games, then they hold a seven and two, you know, <laughs> record against Texas. That's, that's speaks volume. So yeah, I think that you almost have to love it, even if this year may not, be the case. I don't know. It shouldn't be the case though, in my opinion. Yeah. All right. Love it or leave it. Number two. All right. Number two for you is love it or leave it. You were more surprised by Texas putting up 70 on Texas tech than SMU running for 350 yards on TCU in a 42 to 34 win over the Horn Frogs. Okay. Well, these were both surprising developments, obviously, but I've got, I'm going to have to leave this because I, I, I mean, we've seen the Texas offense roll uh, and put up points. They did it against Rice. They put up 38 against a ranked Louisiana team, but TCU, Gary Patterson with the defense that he said has the deepest defensive line he's had in years that he loves the personnel on this defense, giving up 300 350 yards rushing. This is like that BYU nightmare game that got Manny Diaz fired. The beginning of the end for Mac Brown. <laughs> too. Right. I mean, 350 yards rushing and I get it. Texas gave up 333 yards rushing to Arkansas, but you know, they weren't getting any help from their offense. I mean, the, the TCU defense intercepted Tanner Mordecai SMU's quarterback three times and still gave up that many points and that many rushing yards. It just, um, it's astounding to me. Like that's I, I like 200 yards rushing against a Gary Patterson defense is like, Gary's going to be throwing things, you know, right. he's, he's going to be breaking stuff. He'll, he'll pound his fist in the clipboard and it'll cut his cheek. Like will Muschamp, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, but 350 yards rushing. I mean, his press conference is on Tuesday, and wow, I I can't wait to hear what Gary Patterson has to say about how his defense is going to bounce back from that. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that one, Taylor. How about you? Yeah, I'm gonna leave it as well, Chip. And I mean, think I'm, I'm you know more about SMU this year than I do. You're a you're a, a pony by a choice by going to school there and everything. So, you know more about it. But I'm going to go on a limb and say the Texas running game is far superior than what SMU has to offer this year. Um, you know, Bijan Robinson is, in my opinion, the best running back in college football right now. So that is surprising that and, you know, SMU put that up. But that also makes me wonder, what can this Texas running attack do to TCU if they don't get that corrected. I mean, you know, Texas, as we mentioned, 
with Texas Tech, they were average or allowing, I think, 1.7 or 1.8 yards per carry leading into that game. And then Texas, you know, puts up 336 yards rushing against Texas Tech. And that was the strength of their team. If this is a question mark for TCU, then my goodness, we may see some all-time career performances against the Horn Frogs from the running game for Texas. So, you know, um, I mean, I do kind of expect Gary Patterson to get that corrected a little bit, but still it's definitely a concern. So I definitely am going to leave it and say that was way more of a surprise than this Texas offense hanging 70 on, t- on Texas Tech. Yeah, and the interesting thing is pro football focus has Bijan Robinson as the third highest rated running back in college football. The number one rated running back right now in college football is Ulysses Bentley, the SMU. Okay, um, well, there you go. <laughs> so either way, uh, that's, you know, SMU just put something on film that Steve Sarkeesian can absolutely uh, put to use. So good timing for <laughs> Steve Sarkeesian that SMU just, just did that. So, um, all right. Love it or leave it, number three. All right, my final one for you is, with OU barely beating West Virginia at home and Iowa State losing at Baylor, you'd put Texas' chances of being in the Big 12 title game at better than 50-50. Love it or leave it. I mean, how about this? Three weeks ago, we were wondering if Texas was going to be able to get out of its own way and people were talking about you know, a seven-win team. And now a couple, two, three weeks later, you're looking at the possibility of, of Texas being in the big 12 title game, but Iowa state looks like a mess and, and Baylor, I didn't think Baylor would uh, be able to bounce back like this offensively after firing Larry Fedora last year, but Baylor looks a lot better. And we know defensively they're going to be sound with Dave Aranda as their head coach. And, and then, um, Oklahoma looks gettable has, has looked gettable. They barely beat Nebraska. They needed a last second field goal, uh, to beat West Virginia. OU fans are questioning Spencer Rattler. Um, and, and let me tell you the, uh, the, the Caleb Williams kid, the backup who quarterback at OU is, I mean, everybody raves about this guy uh, as a, a really talented passer who can also run, but he's bigger than Spencer Rattler. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what we're about to see at OU, but they're not. There's something wrong, and and it's wrong offensively. They're not putting up points. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they barely scored two touchdowns against West Virginia's defense. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna love this. I'm going to love this because Casey Thompson looks like James Brown to me. And, and I think the Texas defense, I think Pete Kwiatkowski will get things figured out uh, in terms of where to put his personnel and how to use them best. And, and so here we are in, you know, the second game of big 12 conference play, but yeah, right now I would put Texas's chances of being in the big 12 title game at better than 50, 50. How about you, Taylor? I think I'm going to love it, but I'm I'm going to be cautious. I would say maybe 51% to 49% that Texas has there, just because I think that we haven't really 
you you got to see this continue in Big 12 play. That's the biggest thing. I mean, Texas Tech was, you know, they their starting quarterback went out in that game. So, you know, he was going into that game, one of the quote unquote difference makers for the Texas Tech offense. So, you know, there are still some unknowns and what ifs, I think, right now for Texas. But yeah, I think the Big 12 right now is definitely up for grabs. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, with Oklahoma, I mean, if you hold Oklahoma to less than three touchdowns, you usually will win games. You know what I mean? Like that's just how how good the Oklahoma offense has been in under Lincoln Riley and going back to Bob Stoops too. So if you hold them under, you know, three scores and I or three touchdowns, then usually you probably have a better chance of winning that game. West Virginia, you know, it didn't work out for them in that in that aspect, but you know, they're definitely susceptible for sure. And if there's questions right now, if fans are turning on Spencer Rattler, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that this is going to happen at all at Oklahoma. I, that, so I'm going to preface this, but remember when fans turned on Garrett Gilbert and then he left the program. I mean, and then it started a snowball effect of constant questions for quarterback at, you know, at Texas in the 10 years after that did happen. And they were booing Garrett Gilbert. They were calling for anybody to play over Garrett Gilbert in that 2011, you know, um, barely win over BYU. So you know, I think that this is a this. If you're an OU fan, you got to be worried about the state of the program, especially when fans start to kind of turn on the starting quarterback. Who Spencer Rattler going into the season was the you know leading Heisman candidate or contender. You know, I had the best odds. So yeah, and then as you mentioned, you know, Iowa State has not looked like the Iowa State that you expected to see Matt Campbell field this or field this season. So yeah, I think that you have to think that Texas is absolutely in the race, you know, we'll, we'll learn a lot more about Texas in the next three weeks, especially, I think, but I think the big 12 is definitely up for grads. So I have to love this one too. Yeah. And, um, next up for Oklahoma, the team who has a two game winning streak over the Sooners, Kansas state, and the game is in Manhattan two 30 on Saturday. Can the Sooners, um, finally, you know, get, get control of that series. Uh, because K-State beat them in Manhattan when no one thought it was possible, um, you know, two years ago, and then went into Norman when Spencer Rattler was uh, making his first Big 12 start, and they were able to, uh, you know, turn him over, get him uncomfortable, and come back uh, in that game, and and they did it in Norman. So, uh, really interesting week for the Sooners. Uh, interesting that Texas and Oklahoma both have really big challenges uh, in terms of opponent and focus uh, heading into the Red River shootout on October 9th, which, as we said, to open the show will be at 11 a.m. So uh, good stuff. Good stuff. And um, make sure that you're checking out the flagship podcast because we will have our preview flagship podcast with TCU play-by-play man Brian Estridge, who does a fantastic job and tells it like it is when it comes to the Horn Frogs. So um, be listening and watching on the Horns 24/7 YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed to the Horns 24/7 YouTube channel, we're running out of time to hit our 5,000 subscribers. If you want to see Taylor and I make fools of ourselves at the State Fair of Texas, right, Taylor? Yeah, you know, we did say that if we got to 5,000 subscribers, we would shotgun beers at the State Fair of Texas before the Texas OU game and uh, post that video. But 
I don't know. This might be out of reach. I mean, I guess this is a call to all listeners of the flagship podcast to go over to the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel and subscribe if you want to see that. Because, I mean, I know for one thing, I'm not great at shotgunning beers. I don't know if you are, but I feel like maybe I have the upper advantage since I'm a little younger. I don't know. So that if I'm bad, this could get real bad. I don't know. But you you may surprise. Who knows? You'll just see me probably choke on it. So I don't know. Well, we need your help, folks. If you want to see us make fools of ourselves, we need you to become subscribers uh, to the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel. So help us out. Tell your friends and enemies to get over um, and subscribe to the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel. Um, and for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Until next time here on the Flagship Podcast, we'll see you over at horns247.com. And stay safe and keep the faith.